Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Every parent wants to know and should want to know who their kids' friends are. Uh, whether you're a parent of a young child, whether you're a parent of a teenager, whether you're a parent of an adult, whether your parents are dead, dead and gone, they wanted to know that about you when you were growing up too, who your friends are. Because if you're not a leader, you're going to be following somebody. And it's who we follow that matters in life. Every parent's concerned about their kids' friends because they, if they're going to follow after some kid that they admire, want to be like, you want to know as a parent, is this kid worth following? Is this, is this a friend worth, worth having? Uh, the, the, the kinds of people we choose to follow in life um, have consequences because the decisions we make as following after them and doing like they did or are doing those decisions have consequences those choices have consequences so who we, who we follow is vitally important turn to if you will to Philippians chapter 3 we'll talk about the consequences of who we follow and why it's important that we follow after Jesus Verse 10 through verse 21 of Philippians chapter 3 together. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as, as I have often told you and before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Four things today that I think are gleanable from this text among many are this. The decisions about who to follow, first of all, begin with a goal. Those decisions begin with a goal. Look with me again at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Not that I've already arrived yet, but I press on. Before anyone can begin a journey, you've got to have a destination in mind. You've got to have an, an end game in mind, a point of arrival, a goal. So if we back up to verse 10 and 11, we see what the goal is. The goal is to be like Christ, in the, that we fellowship in his suffering, and that we share in his glory. 
it, it is Christ's likeness that's the goal. Experiencing everything from the humility of this that he experienced in suffering, whether it be uh, how he was treated, whether, whether it be that he was beaten, mocked, crucified, and the, from there to the glory of the resurrection and everything in between those two places. That's what Paul is talking about. I want to know all of him. Not just the glory of the resurrection. Not just the Sunday morning stuff. But the Tuesday afternoon stuff. And the Thursday morning stuff. And the Wednesday night stuff. When life doesn't work as well as it seems to work sometimes on Sunday morning, or at least the face we put on to make it work. I want to know all of that. I want to know all of what makes him tick because I want that. That, that Christ-likeness is my goal. That's where I'm headed. That's the end game. That's the destination. So then the consequence of Christ's likeness, in part at least, is suffering. But also walking in that same power that brought him up out of the grave, he says. It would seem then that suffering is a setup to the glory. And in order to get to the glory point, we have to walk through some places of suffering together. Before we can experience the power of the resurrection, we have to experience the suffering and the persecution that came before that. That that suffering is a means, it's a process, it's a path, it's a journey to that goal. And so he, he lays it out pretty clearly to say, I want to get to the glory, but I've got to walk through some suffering to get there. And so if your goal, like Paul's and mine, is Christ-likeness, suffering is going to be a part of that journey. Glory is a part too, a great part. But suffering is also a part of that journey. you got to know, know what the goal is. Secondly, Decisions about who to follow not only begin with a goal, but include leaving the past in the past. Those decisions and consequences include leaving the past in the past. Look at 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I believe one of the main reasons that many of us stay in the past even though it may be painful or even remorseful, it's known. We know the past. I've talked to, done some marriage counseling over the years, and talked to a number of ladies who are in, who are in one was in a physical abusive situation. I encouraged her to get out as quickly as she possibly could uh, because she was being physically uh, beaten and hurt. It amazes me how many, how many wives, how many women will stay in abusive relationships and marriages because it's known. And they would rather experience the pain of the known as the fear of the unknown. And it blows my mind. I, I mean, I get, I get the predictability of the known. But leaving the past in the past is one thing that Paul says, we've got we to get to that place of saying, beyond what I know, I've I got to learn to leave the past in the past. Uh, it's, it's, th those, those known consequences are predictable, certainly more so than, than the unknown, but there's also consequences to that. That's why so many, so many of us make so many decisions that have consequences that we know the consequence is coming, and we make that decision anyway because we have the predictability of knowing what's around the corner, even though it may be bad for us. Uh, that's why he uses the word straining here, I think, to describe moving forward. It's a strain that we, we have to push. We have to make some effort to leave the past in the past because the enemy, why? The enemy wants to bring that up again and again, regurgitate that in your mind and in your heart, say, listen, this is who you are, it's who you're always going to be, just deal with it. And to let that go and leave that behind us is a strain. We have to intentionally set it down on Monday 
and walk toward Christ's likeness and set it down on Tuesday and walk toward Christ's likeness and do the same thing on Wednesday, day after day after day. It's a strain to, to leave the past in the past and press toward even a, an unknown future. It can be a strain. Uh, it's difficult to step out of the known and into the unknown. We have to re retrain our minds to see that looking at life through a forward-looking lens rather than looking in the past is what's best for us. Uh, to leave the past there. The enemy would do everything in his power to defeat that, to, to, uh, to bring ignorance and immaturity and, and the constant fear of the unknown to your mind, but uh, it is worth walking through. So, question then, how is the known working out for you? How is staying where you've always been working out for you? How is, uh, how is that in terms of your, your spiritual journey are you in a growing relationship with Jesus? Is your life bearing fruit? Is there a sense of fulfillment to what you do and how you carry yourself day after day? Or are you stuck in the rut of the mundane and the mediocre and you've chosen to, to be content there, to find a place of contentment there to say, this may be as good as it's ever going to get for me and I'm okay with that. To, to let that go is a strain. To set that in the past and say, no, there's more. And I want to experience more. I want to know more of him. I want to see his will and his plan and his purpose for my life. And to do that, I've got to lay down some things from the past and step into an unknown future with him, but a future that I trust because he is already there and knows what's best for me. Uh, are you fruitful? Are you fulfilled? Are you growing? Or are you trapped by what's in the rearview mirror? It can, it can, it can entrap us, and, and the enemy will. And, and if we let him, we'll, we'll do that day after day and turn into decade after decade if we allow that to occur. Leaving the past in the past is key. Decisions about who to follow begin with defining the goal and include leaving the past in the past. Thirdly, decisions about who to follow need an other world perspective. They need an other world perspective. Look at 18 and 19 again with me. It says, for as often as I've told you this before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of, of the cross of Christ. Watch this. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach their, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their mind is on earthly things. The original uh, Greek, in, in the original Greek, the, the term set here, their mind is set on earthly things, describes uh, being anchored in something, something that is immovable. In essence, think of setting a fence post in, in the whole you poured concrete around it, and once that concrete sets, that post is immovable. That's the idea of their, uh, our being set in our ways and set in, uh, our minds set on earthly things. So that our minds not seeing life through an earthly lens, or, or, or in he heavenly lens, but an earthly one. Uh, we're knowingly and willingly choosing to, to not consider something else besides what we've always known, what we've always experienced before. Look at the consequences of this worldview in verse 19. It says that the consequences are destruction, our self-consumption, that's this idea of our stomach and our appetite. Destruction, self-consumption, -consum and shame are the consequences of, an, uh, of staying in this world, looking through this worldly lens. Uh, th that mindset is anchored there. Many are and would rather follow this world and its leaders and its influencers rather than follow, in, in, follow Paul into Christ's likeness. Uh, He's, he's speaking, I would remind you here, to, to believers in the church at Philippi. 
uh, about these kind of consequences of Christ's likeness. And believers who are obviously set, have, have a worldview that is set on, on earthly things instead of on heavenly things. Um, what heaven has to offer, the, the, the contrast of what he's talking about here to these, these Philippian Christians is pretty stark. He's saying, yeah, you know Christ. And some of you may have known him for a long time. But you're not seeing his way. You're seeing your way. And you're seeing this world's way. And I'm going to tell you, that's easy to do in seed after seed after seed, in church after church after church all across America today, is to see our way. Because most of us like being in charge, if you're like me. I don't like somebody telling me what to do. Never have. Still don't. Sometimes I don't like Jesus telling me what to do. But I've learned the consequences of disobedience. I've learned the consequences of not following his hand and walking in his way. Yet, that's, that is, as, as we just looked at a moment ago, that's a strain to leave the past in the past, to, to, to see an other worldview that says, yes, I know I'm confined to walk here, but I don't have to think like I'm here. Yes, I know I'm confined with physical ailments that are earthly, perhaps mental challenges that are, that are earthly and fleshly, emotional things to di difficulties to deal with that are, that are earthly and fleshly, but I want to move beyond the physical, beyond the mental, beyond the emotional, into a heavenly place where I start to look at relationships through, it, through an eternal lens, not just an earthly one. I start to see my marriage that way. I start to see friendships that way. I start to see work that way. It, it is it, 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 exactly what he's talking about to say, let's, let's set the earthly lens aside and look through the heavenly lens. Uh, the contrast, it's stark, but it's, it's intended to be that way. Uh, so I wonder about you and I, if we're seeking to blend in and be a chameleon on, on this earth, or if we're living and walking a faith that's sticking out, if we're living and walking a faith that others looking from the outside in at us would say, what's up with them? Something's different about them. I mean, they're, they're, they just don't, they don't see, they don't view this thing the same way we do. They, 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 their marriage is different. They do different things with money than, than we do. They, they're, they're, they approach hardship and difficulty different than I do. What's different about them? I wonder if our faith is causing us to, to be seen and be distinctive and to stick out or if we're just kind of blending in and going with the flow. Uh, that's, he's talking here about our having an, an other world perspective. Well, it begins with defining the goal that includes leaving the past in the past and decisions about who to follow need another world perspective. But finally, decisions about who to follow will result in transformation. Those decisions will and should result in transformation. Look at verse 21 again. It says, Who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will, watch this, transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. By the power that enables him, he will transform, make transformation a part of who we are. We looked at the goal of being Christ-like, uh, Christ-likeness as our goal. All mentioned in verses 10 and 11. If that's true, then the, conse the consequence to come of living a life like Christ is transformation. Uh, Paul describes transformation in Romans 12 too as renewing our minds, rethinking the way we think about life, looking at life through a different lens, hitting the reset button on how we, how we process relationships, how we process circumstances, how we process work how we process pain, how we process disappointment, how we process joy. 
rethinking how we process things, transforming the way we think uh, as we look through life through, on this earth through, through a heavenly lens. Uh, it's, it's difficult to look at the circumstances of life through an earthly lens and, and not see the significance of things being different uh, versus their eternal significance. It's amazing how the significance of something change, changes when you start to look at a different, through it at a different lens. Uh, things like a car wreck, or a job change, or a health problem—all significant things here on this earth. Looking through an, a heavenly lens, those things start to have less and less significance. Not that a car wreck isn't significant; it is. Does God care about those things? Sure, He does. But to the extent that He cares about you in them. And how you respond to them. You see, he's, he doesn't care about the car wreck in terms of, of 20 years after your death. He doesn't, he doesn't care about the health issues you're, you're going through 20 years after your death. He doesn't care about your job change. He cares about those things to the extent that how they affect your witness. He cares about those things to, to the extent that how you respond to them, whether they consume you or whether they're just part of you. And, and that's... That's the dichotomy of what I'm talking about to say. There's, a, there's an earthly way, a carnal way, a fleshly way of seeing life, and there's a heavenly and eternal way of seeing life. And if we'll start to look through a heavenly lens, we'll start to place significance on things differently. The, the significance on things here will start to become less and less and less, even, even, even the good things. And the significance of things that will outlive us will start to have, have a deeper and, uh, and more important meaning. A couple of questions here as we wrap today these thoughts. The first is this. Who or what have you chosen to follow up to now? Who or what have you chosen to follow up to now? Your parents? A politician? What, what a politician? Or, or, or a political party? A celebrity? Your group of, of friends and, and, and co-workers? Who have you chosen to follow up to now? What path are you on? Is it a path that looks more like Christ-likeness or looks more like the flesh and this earth? Second question is this. How has what you've seen from God's Word today altered that? How has it altered your choices? Has it helped you see if I'm going to walk in a place of Christ-likeness, I'm going to have to reprioritize some things. My time for one. I'm going to have to reprioritize how I see things, what I choose to let in, what I choose to block out. I'm going to have to reprioritize some relationships. Relationships that are sucking, this, sucking me spiritually dry. Or relationships that are feeding me spiritually to where I'm growing and I'm fulfilled and I'm bearing fruit. I'm going to have to see marriage differently. I'm going to have to see work differently. If, if, if I'm going to live and walk like Christ, I'm going to have to look through a different lens to see that. I can't see it uh, in, in this culture. In fact, this culture doesn't want you to see it. It's not that they, they, they are uh, starting to go down this tolerance train, but I'm not going to go down there today. Suffice it to say, this culture doesn't want you walking with Jesus in, in, a, in a bold, uh, contagious way. It just doesn't. And it would do everything it can to keep that silent because that kind of walk exposes some things. That kind of walk makes people around you uncomfortable if they don't know Christ. Because that kind of walk 
delivers the truth that there are some absolutes. There are some things that are absolutely true all the time. And if I'm walking in Christ's likeness and I'm walking the truth of those absolutes, I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm going to offend this culture. I don't mean to be off-putting. I'm going to be off-putting sometimes if I'm going to stand for truth, if I'm going to stand for what's right. That's why it's important who your friends, who your kids' friends are. Because your, friend, your kids are growing up in a culture that if we're going to walk with Jesus, it's going to be harder and harder and harder. And the strain we talked about from moving to the carnal to the eternal, moving from the here and now to the, to the hereafter, moving from this place to that place, the strain of that is going to be much harder for them than it was for you. That's why it's vital that you, they know who, that you know who your kids' friends are and you know what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, the, the consequences of, of following the wrong crowd and the wrong kids and the wrong politicians and the wrong, sometimes even parents, can be catastrophic. Uh, those choices are very consequential. Uh, there's fallout to the decisions we make. Who are you following? Who are you choosing to follow? Is that obvious to those around you? If those are on the outside in look at your life and say, there's a little bit of Christ-likeness in them. Would they look at you and say, there's a lot of Christ-likeness in them. Would they look at you and say, I don't think they know Jesus at all. Let's pray. Father, our choices have consequences. And who we choose to follow is great among them. Because if we're following this world and we're following Hollywood and we're following the politics of the day, we're following this culture, we're headed down a black hole of nothingness. Uh, and our influence will be waning as we go. But if we're straining to follow you, if we're seeking to, to walk in the fellowship of your suffering, to participate in your suffering so that we may share in the glory and power of your resurrection, if we're going to choose to follow that way, there's going to be some strain. There's going to be some angst. There's going to be some difficulty. There's going to be some hardship. There's going to be some people talking behind their back about us. There's going to be some, some, some consequences to walking in that way and choosing to live in that vein. But today, based on what we've seen here in your word, would you give us the courage to take steps in that direction? Would we, would we step further and closer to you in terms of making decisions about who we, who we associate with? what we allow in, who we allow in, who we don't. It may even cause some need for career change for some of us or job change. It may, it may cause some radical differences in our lives about the choices we've made so far that are leading us away from you instead of toward you. Would you help us to see those things today? Would the Holy Spirit have the freedom in this room and in every heart to speak truth here? Say, this isn't where we need to go. We need to go over in this direction. And would you give us the courage to step and follow him today? As we do, you'll meet us and walk with us every step of the way. And the strain, the more we lean on you, will be less and less and less. If we depend on our own flesh and our own strength, it's going to be quite a strain. But the more we follow you and walk with you, the greater encouragement we have with your spirit as he leads us every step. Those kind of consequences are going to be eternal. If we're walking in a way that is Christ-like, others are going to see our love for them and your love for them. Others are going to hear 
your plan for them and, and, and your goal for them? Can someone be in heaven because we made a different choice today to walk away from the culture and walk toward Jesus? I pray that's true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.